بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So we're in the section of Lum'at al-A'taqad The Aqeedah of Ahl Sunnah wal-Jama'ah And we're in the topic regarding the Aqeedah about the Day of Judgment The Iman about the Day of Judgment The last topic we discussed was the actual resurrection how that resurrection occurs, upon which land it occurs. So now moving on from that topic of the resurrection, we move on to the topic of intercession. There will be shafa'ah, there will be intercession that occurs on the day of judgment. There are certain types of intercession that occur. Some of these intercessions... They are specific to the Prophet ﷺ and some of these intercessions are general. The intercessions that are specific, one of them is regarding the intercession when the people are raised and they see the calamity that they are in and then they go to the various prophets and messengers to Adam alayhi salam, Nuh alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, until they finally come to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is the one who then performs that intercession for the people to be removed from those difficulties. Another type of intercession that occurs on that day is when all of the events have concluded the people who are going to go to paradise come to the gates of paradise and they see that the gates are closed. So again they go to the various prophets and the messengers asking who will speak on their behalf to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the gates of paradise to be opened. And it is in the end the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who uh, makes the intercession for the gates of paradise to be opened. Those are intercessions that are specific to the Prophet ﷺ. None of the other prophets or messengers can do them. There are other types of intercession on that day that are general. For example, the intercession of the believers on behalf of their brothers. The believers making intercession on behalf of other believers when they will say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that such and such used to pray with us and fast with us, etc. So then Allah will say, go and remove from the fire the ones who have even a tiny amount of iman in them. So then they are removed, those with a tiny amount of iman and even less than half of that uh, seeds worth of iman, they are all removed by the intercession of the believers. So the believers will make intercession on that day, the children make intercession for their parents, the angels make intercession, and then in the end, nothing remains except the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of that intercession occurs. Also the books are given to the people on that day, 
the books in which your deeds are written and recorded. And these books in which your deeds are written and recorded, they are given to the people. Uh, and there are narrations that talk about how these books are given to the people. Some narrations they mention that the books will be given in the right hands. So as for the one who is given his book in his right hand, then those people will have a very light accountability. But then there are those who will be given their books in their left hands. And the ones who are given their books in their left hands, they are the ones who are unsuccessful. And in some narrations it even mentions them being given their books behind their backs. In some of the ayat, وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوتِيَ كِتَابَهُ وَرَاءَ As for those who are given their books behind their backs, and in the other ayah, وَمَنْ وَأَمَّا مَنْ أُوتِيَ كِتَابَهُ بِشِمَالِهِ The one who is given his book in his left hand, فَيَقُولْ يَا لَيْتَنِي لَمْ أُوتَ كِتَابِيَ He will say, if only I was not given my book. If only I was not given my book. The one who is given the book in his left hand, because he doesn't want to see that. He knows of all of the evil and the sin within it. So some of the scholars, they said, the, of course, believers will be given their books in their right hands. But as for the uh, wrongdoers, they will be given their books in their left hands. And perhaps it will be in their left hands behind their backs, uh, with their hands behind their backs. Or that their hand will be dislocated and joined onto their back. Or that their left hand will penetrate through their chests and come out from their backs for them to receive their books. Also then on that day will be the accountability, and the accountability is of two types. There is the ard and there is the niqash, the munaqasha. The lighter type of the accountability is simply the ard, and that is where a servant is shown all of his deeds, he acknowledges them, and he's allowed to pass upon that. They are the successful. That is the lighter form of the accountability. But as for the one who is given a critical analysis of all of his deeds, then they are the ones who will be destroyed. Then of course, all of those deeds are weighed up. They are weighed up on the weighing scale, on the balance on that day. And the balance, the manner in which that weighing occurs, it will be either the books that are placed into the weighing scale, or it will be the person themselves, or it will be the actions themselves. And there are proofs for all of those. As for the books going into the weighing scales, the proof is Hadith al-Bitaqa, the man who will come on that day with 99 scrolls of evil deeds. And they will be placed on one side, and then there is a, one scroll on the other side with La ilaha illallah written on it, which will outweigh all of the evil. So there you can see in the narration, the scrolls, the books, the deeds written in them, those scrolls are placed onto the weighing scale. In another narration, it mentions the people themselves will go into the weighing scale, like the narration where it mentions about one of the companions 
whose shins were very thin. And so when the others saw that, when he was climbing a tree to pick some fruits, they began to laugh at that. But the Prophet ﷺ said, do not laugh, because indeed those shins of who? Which companion? Ibn Mas'ud. They will be heavier in the wing scale than Mount Uhud itself. As for the deeds going into the wing scales themselves, like the narrations, Alhamdulillahi tamla ul-mizan. The statement, Alhamdulillah, it fills the mizan. And the kalimatani habibatani ila rahman thaqilatani fil mizan, khafifatani ala lisan. Two words that are beloved to Allah, very easy to say, but they are thaqilatan fil mizan. They will be heavy in the weighing scales. So that is the variations of how the weighing occurs. If of course your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, then you are from the successful. But if your bad deeds outweigh your good deeds, they are the unsuccessful. And if your good deeds and your bad deeds are exactly equal, then you go to... Al-A'raf. You go to Al-A'raf, the place known as Al-A'raf. If your accountability is done, and your good deeds and your bad deeds are exactly equal... Then you go to, not paradise or hell, but to a place called A'raf. A place called A'raf, and you wait there for as long as Allah decides. Then in the end you are allowed to go into paradise. Then in the end you are allowed to go into paradise. Most of that we mentioned so far. Most of that we covered so far, I think. So now what was coming was maybe the pond of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that on that day there will be the pond or the lake of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. This pond, which is known as Al Hawd, it is on the day of judgment a great lake that will be for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There is also another one which is known as Kawthar. So is Kawthar the same as Al-Hawd or are they two different ones? Are they the same or are they different? The Hawd and the Kawthar. Kawthar in the Quran, إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ that pond, is it the same as this hold that we're talking about? Or are they two different ones? Different what is your proof that they are different ones? So what about hold? That is correct. That the kothar is in paradise. Kawthar is in paradise. إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ Kawthar is in paradise. That pond is in paradise. The hold, this great lake, is on the day of judgment where everything is happening before paradise. This is on that day of judgment, on the lands of the day of judgment where the accountability, everything is occurring. One of the things is this pond, this lake. So this is before the people enter paradise. However, 
there is a connection between this lake and the kawthar. The water which goes into this lake, the hawd, comes from kawthar. It comes from the kawthar into this hawd on the day of judgment. The source of it is from the kawthar in paradise. So there are two different locations, two different lakes, even though the source of one of them is from the other. This hawd, it is present now. It exists already and it has been created. What are the descriptions given in the sunnah regarding this hawd? This lake that will be on the day of judgment. Some of the descriptions given regarding it, that the water in it, will be whiter than milk. The water in this hold will be whiter than milk. And it will be colder than ice. Cool, cold water. And its smell will be better than misk. And its taste will be better than honey, sweeter than honey. And the number of cups around it will be like or greater than the number of stars in the sky. Whoever drinks from it, will never be thirsty again. These are some of the descriptions given regarding the hawd of the Prophet ﷺ on that day. That its water is whiter than milk. And that it is colder than ice. And that it is more fragrant than musk, and that it is sweeter than honey, and that whomsoever drinks from it will not be thirsty again, and that the number of cups around it, they are greater than the number of stars or equal to the number of stars in the sky. They are the descriptions given regarding this hawd, the lake of the Prophet ﷺ. How big is it? How big is this lake? Anybody? There are some narrations. That tell us about the size of the hawd. Some narrations they say it is a traveling distance of a month. In those days, cars in those days where they had the horses and the camels. How long it would take them traveling a month, how far they would get. And even there in 40 days you can get quite far. With a horse, with a camel, you're traveling for 40 days, you're going to get to quite a distance. That's how long one side of it is. 
That is what some narrations say. How long it would be if you were to carry on traveling and traveling on horses and camels for a month. For a month they would get how far? How far would you get in a month on a horse, on a camel? Very distant, a large distance, hundreds of miles. You could do hundreds of miles in a month of traveling on a horse, on a camel. You could do hundreds of miles. Imagine even on foot. Even on foot, how many miles a day could a person travel? Possibly. Possibly around about 20, 30 miles you could do on foot. It's possible. twenty, Even 20 miles. Even if he did 20 miles a day. That's very possible. Very possible to do 20 miles a day easily walking. So 20 miles a day times by 30 is 600 miles. That's if you're just walking for a month's distance. That's just walking 600 miles. Walking in a month. So imagine on a horseback. Triple that maybe. Triple that maybe. On a camel, double that maybe. So we're talking maybe in excess of a thousand miles, two thousand miles. The size of one end of this pond to the other end of it. That is one narration. Another narration says it's actually only two weeks worth of traveling distance. But even then, even if it's two weeks on foot, that's 300 miles. According to that calculation we did before. 600, 900 miles on horseback, a thousand miles, maybe more. It is still huge. Have a lake which is few hundred miles long. From here to London, it's 200 miles. Imagine a lake that big, the size of the UK almost. Still huge. So even if it was two weeks, it is still a huge amount. And some narrations, they say less than that. But the point is, all of these narrations are therefore indicating to us that this lake is a huge lake. It is a huge lake. Not something small, not like a lake you think of here. This is a huge lake, like you would see it as an ocean. A huge lake. But there are some people who will not be allowed to drink from that lake on that day of judgment. Which people will not be allowed to drink from that lake? The bad people, correct. Which types of bad people? The apostates is one. People who apostated from Islam, the murtaddun. The sinners who were excessive in their sinning. And innovators who innovated in the religion. That's it, that's the kuffar. That is the kuffar. So the apostates, they will not be allowed. The innovators will not be allowed. And the excessive sinners, they will also not be allowed. Then we also come to mentioning the pond of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not the pond, the, the uh, path, the bridge. The bridge of... Uh, the bridge which occurs on the day of judgment and the people must cross over it to get to paradise. Because there is a bridge known as As-Sirat. That bridge is over the hellfire. And people have to cross over that bridge to get to paradise. That bridge 
has descriptions mentioned about it in the Sunnah also. That bridge has descriptions mentioned about it in the Sunnah also. One of the descriptions mentioned about that bridge is that it is slippery. You cannot get a good grip when you're walking on this bridge. It is slippery, the ground on the bridge. It is slippery. So your feet do not get grounded on it when you're walking. Secondly, that there are claws on the sides of it. There are hooks and claws on this bridge. Thirdly, that it is sharper than a sword. It is sharper than a sword, this particular bridge. And it is thinner than a hair. Thinner than a hair, yet sharper than a sword. And it is slippery, and it has claws and hooks on it. That is the description of the bridge that the people will have to cross. Thinner than a hair. That is the size of it. When the people cross, there will be darkness. On top of all of those descriptions, there will actually be darkness when the people cross over the bridge. And everybody will be given light. But how much light you are given will depend on your level of actions. Those who have the good actions, many of them, you'll be given a greater amount of light. Those who had less good actions, less good deeds, will be given a smaller light. So it all depends on the amount of actions that you had. It mentions in the hadith, يُعْطَى كُلُّ إِنسَانٍ مِّنْهُمْ مُنَافِقًا مُؤْمِنٍ نُورًا ثُمَّ يَتَّبِعُونَ Every person, whether you're a munafiq or a believer, everybody will be given a light that they follow. Everybody will be given a light that they follow. And the level of the light will be dependent on your level of deeds. And so a person with the least amount of deeds, it's mentioned in the hadith, he will have a tiny light the size of a thumb or the size of your toe. Tiny light. And it will flicker on and off. When it's on, you can see a little bit of that bridge thinner than a hair. He tries to walk a little bit. When it flicks off, then he can't move again. Flicks on, you can try to move a little bit. That tiny light because of his little bit of deeds only he had. Also, the people will cross over at different speeds. The people will cross over the bridge at different speeds. Some people will cross over in the blink of an eye. Some people will cross over at the speed of lightning. Some people will cross over at the speed of birds flying. Some people cross over at the speed of horses running. Some people cross over quick. 
Others will cross over at the speed of a human running, which is slower than a horse running. Others will cross over at the speed of walking pace only. And the last person will cross over dragging himself, dragging himself across, crawling on his stomach. And this is all about the number of deeds you have again. This is all about the number of deeds you have again. The less deeds you have, the less light you have, and the less your speed in trying to get across. But the more deeds you have, the more light you are given, and the greater your speed in crossing over the bridge. So that is the bridge which will occur on that day, and the people will have to cross over. Then after that there is something called Al-Qantara. Al-Qantara. This is another bridge. Some scholars they say it is another bridge after that main bridge. Other scholars they say no it's not another bridge. It's just the name of the last part of the original bridge. The bridge we've been talking about now, As-Sirat, the last part of it has a specific name known as Qantara. Other scholars, they say, no, it's not the last part of the original bridge. Once you get over that, there's another small bridge afterwards called the Qantara. But what happens on the Qantara? The Qantara is where the mutual rights are returned. The mutual rights are returned. So if you had wronged somebody and that person had wronged you, then the rights are returned between the people. Your rights are returned and his rights are returned. The wrong that you did is made up and the wrong that he did is made up to you. So mutually you take the rights so that every type of justice has been done between the people completely. They are completely free of the rights of the people now. Everything has been done, everything has been returned. So then after that, they enter. Those who are going to go to paradise, go to paradise. And then what happens, like we said, they have to seek the intercession of the prophets and the messengers until the prophet ﷺ is the one who makes that intercession for them to be able to cross. So then in the end, only two things are left. After all of that, what are the final two things that are left? Paradise or hell. They are the final two residences. The final two stops. Either paradise or hell. After all of that has happened... Then in the end, it is either paradise or hell. Paradise and hell, have they already been created? Do they exist right now? Or will Allah create them on the day of judgment? That's when all the accountability is going to happen. That's when the people are going to go into them. So are they going to be created on the day of judgment for people to be judged and go into them? Or are they already created ready now? Correct. So paradise and hell already exist. Paradise and hell already exist. And they will continue to exist and they will not come to an end. They do not finish. 
Paradise and hell continue. How do we know they've already been created? Because Allah tells us in the Quran. Where, how, what? Um, I can't quote any surahs, but I've seen it. I've just seen some parts in the Quran. Mm-hmm. There are some ayat in the Quran where Allah says, for example, "Uiddat lil Paradise has been prepared for the believers. That tense is what type of tense? Past tense. Paradise has been prepared. Uiddat. Walam yaqul satuad. Uiddat. It has been prepared. So paradise has already been made. And the same for the hellfire. Uiddat lil kafirin. Mentions the hellfire has already been made for the kuffar. So paradise already established, already created. Paradise, hellfire, both of them already made and already created. And they will both remain. They don't come to an end and they don't finish. They remain. And there are proofs. Allah said in the Quran, for example, وَجَنَّاتٍ لَهُمْ فِيهَا نَعِيمٌ مُقِيمٌ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا Paradise, for them, they live forever. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا They will remain therein forever. Paradise, forever, does not come to an end. Same with the hellfire. Allah mentions about the disbelievers in the hellfire. وَمَنْ يَعْصِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَإِنَّ لَهُ نَارَ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا Whomsoever disobeys Allah and the Messenger, then for them is the hellfire, they will remain in it forever. Forever. There is no stopping of the hellfire, it doesn't stop, it continues. In another ayah, وَمَا هُمْ بِخَارِجِينَ مِنْهَا that the kuffar, those people will never exit from the fire. In another ayah, the people in the hellfire, they talk to the angel who's in charge of the gates of the hellfire. The angel in charge of the gates of the hellfire is called Malik. So the people in hellfire, they call out to the angel who's at the gates of hellfire. And they say to him, Wanado. يَا مَالِكْ أَوْ مَالِكْ لِيَقْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكَ They say to Malik, let Allah just kill us off. Let him just kill us off. They're calling out to Malik, saying to him, like tell Allah or, or do something, let Allah just kill us off. Let us just die instead of carrying on in this punishment in hellfire. لِيَقْضِ عَلَيْنَا رَبُّكَ May your Lord just destroy us, they say. قَالَ إِنَّكُمْ مَاكِثُونَ But Malik says to them, إِنَّكُمْ مَاكِثُونَ You are going to stay there. You are staying there. You're not going to be destroyed. You're not going to die. You're not going to be killed off. You will stay there. In that hellfire continuing with that punishment. And that's why it says in one ayah, كُلَّمَا نَضِجَتْ جُلُودُهُمْ بَدَّلْنَاهُمْ جُلُودًا غَيْرَهَا Every time their skins burn off, then Allah gives them fresh skin and they burn again. 
burns off fresh skin and they burn again and they feel the pain again and they carry on and carry on and carry on. That pain continues. That skin comes back and they burn again and they burn again. So the Malik, the angel says to them, You are going to be staying there. You will remain there and there is no exit. So paradise and hell, they continue and they do not come to an end. That is the section regarding the belief in the day of judgment from Lum'atul I'tiqad or based upon Lum'atul I'tiqad. Those are the types of things we need to have the belief in. After that, the author goes on to say, حقوق النبي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وأصحابه رضي الله عنهم. New topic now, new chapter he goes on from there. Now he's gonna tell us the aqida that we have regarding the rights of the Prophet and the rights of the companions. The rights of the Prophet Muhammad and the rights of the companions. وَمُحَمَّدٌ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم خاتم النبيين وسيد المرسلين لا يصح إيمان عبد حتى يؤمن برسالته ويشهد بنبوته ولا يقضى بين الناس في القيامة إلا بشفاعته ولا يدخل الجنة أمة إلا بعد دخول أمته صاحب لواء الحمد والمقام المحمود والحوض المورود وهو إمام النبيين وخطيبهم وصاحب شفاعتهم Here he says Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم is the messenger of Allah and the final messenger the final prophet the seal of all of the prophets. There is no other prophet after Muhammad ﷺ. And the iman of a person isn't complete until you believe in the messengership of Muhammad ﷺ. You must believe in the messengership of Muhammad ﷺ. You do not believe in that messengership, then you have not got iman complete. You have not got the iman. You must testify to Muhammad sallallahu alaihi You must believe in the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So who was he? His name is Abu Qasim Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib ibn Hashim ibn Abd Manaf ibn Qusay. Ibn Kilab, Ibn Murra, Ibn Ka'ab, Ibn Lu'ay, Ibn Ghalib, Ibn Fahr, Ibn Malik, Ibn Nadar, Ibn Kanana, Ibn Khuzayma, Ibn Mudraka, Ibn Ilyas, Ibn Mudar, Ibn Nizar, Ibn Ma'ad, Ibn Adnan, Wa'adnan min walad nabiyillah Ismail ibn Ibrahim. So that lineage is taken all the way back up to Ismail, the son of Ibrahim, alayhim as-salam. So he is Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, the son of Abdul Muttalib, the son of Hashim. And Hashim was of course from Quraysh, and the Quraysh are from the Arabs. 
And he is Khatamul Anbiya wal Mursaleen, the final messenger and prophet. La Nabiya Ba'dah. There is no prophet, no messenger after Muhammad sallallahu alayhi He was the last one. Anybody who claims to have prophethood after Muhammad sallallahu then he is a liar. لِأَنَّ النُّصُوصَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ وَالسُنَّةِ دَلَّتْ عَلَى خَتْمِ النُّبُوَّاتِ بِنُبُوَّتِهِ Because the texts in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, they indicate to us clearly that the prophethood and the messengership came to a conclusion with Muhammad ﷺ. In the Qur'an it says, وَلَكِنْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ he is the messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets. In the Quran, Khatamun He is the seal of the prophets. No other prophet or messenger after him. In the hadith, the Prophet said, Sayakunu Badi Thalathuna Kadabun. Kullahum Yazamu and Nahunabi. Wa ana khatamul anbiya la nabiya badi. He said there are going to be 30 liars. 30 liars. All of them claiming and saying that they are prophets. However, I am the seal of the prophets and there is no prophet after me. So he is Muhammad, the messenger of Allah. And he was the messenger to all of mankind. In the Quran it says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَةً لِلنَّاسِ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا We have not sent you except to all of the people as a bringer of glad tidings and as a warner. To all of mankind. Also in the Quran it says, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ Say, O people, إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا I am the messenger of Allah to you all. All of the people. وَقَدْ كَانَ كُلُّ نَبِيٍّ يُبْعَثْ إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ خَاصَّةً وَمُحَمَّدَ سَلَّمْ بُعِثَ إِلَىٰ النَّاسِ كَافَةً Prophets and messengers used to be sent just to their people, their nations. But Muhammad ﷺ wasn't just sent to the Arabs or to the Quraysh or to those people. He was sent as a prophet to all of mankind. All of mankind. As for the people who now claim that they are prophets and messengers, like the Qadiyanis believe, then that is complete and utter nonsense. It is completely and utterly false for them to claim that there was another prophet after the prophet Muhammad ﷺ. There were many people after the prophet Muhammad ﷺ who claimed that. Even whilst he was alive, there were some people who claimed it to be prophets. There were some. And all of them, they either repented and came back to Islam or they were killed. They either repented and came back to Islam or they were killed. But there were individuals, there were people claiming prophethood from that time, from the early times. Some of them were killed during the Khilafah of Al-Khulafa al rashidin 
some of them repented and came back to Islam. So these incidents occurred where people claimed to be prophets. And all of that you know is absolutely false. There is no prophet and there is no messenger after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu And he, the Prophet is the best of all of the creation. A person's iman is not proper until you have iman in the Prophet And we know that he is the one who will do the shafa'ah on the day of judgment and that nobody will enter paradise until the ummah of Muhammad has entered first. And he is the best of creation. The best and the most honorable of creation. In Al-Bukhari and Muslim it mentions that he said, أَنَا سَيِّدُ النَّاسِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ I will be the leader of the people on the day of judgment. And a person cannot be Muslim until you believe in the messengership of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You must believe in the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Otherwise you cannot be a Muslim if you reject that. And we've already said how he will be the one who will do the intercession on the day of judgment. And it is also proven in the narrations that nobody will enter paradise before this ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They will be the first to enter, then the other nations they follow thereafter. Also, from the virtues are that the Prophet ﷺ is given that pond, that lake that we spoke about. And he is Imamun Nabiyyin. He is Imamun Nabiyyin, meaning he is the leader of all of the Prophets. And it's mentioned how he will lead all of the prophets in prayer. How he led all of the prophets in prayer. He is khatibuhum, the one who addresses all of the prophets. وَصَاحِبُ And he is the one who makes that intercession on that day. It's mentioned in the narration of Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet said, إِذَا كَانَ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ كُنْتُ إِمَامَ النَّبِيِّينَ When it's the day of judgment, I will be the imam. Of all of the prophets. That's what's mentioned in the hadith. I will be the imam of all of the prophets. وَخَطِيبُهُمْ And the one who gives the khutbah to them, who talks to them, addresses all of the others. I will be the one doing that. وَصَاحِبَ شَفَاعَتِهِمْ And I will be the one who does the intercession. غَيْرُ فخر, Without any pride in that. But I am the one who will be the imam of all of them and I will address all of them and I will do the intercession on that day. So these are some of the characteristics of the Prophet ﷺ. Next time then we'll move on to the characteristics of this Ummah. This Ummah and also the characteristics of the companions. What is our belief regarding the companions? Uh, what is our belief regarding Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali? And who are the companions who have been given glad tidings of paradise? Those are the types of topics about the companions that we'll move on to from next week insha'Allah. It will also talk about the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Who were they? Uh, and it will also talk about the people of innovation towards the end and our position towards them before the book rounds off. So next week insha'Allah we'll carry on with the topic regarding the companions. And we'll conclude there for tonight then.